23 and verse number 39. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. I felt the wind of the Holy Ghost blowing through this house today. I have felt it, and I feel it again even now. And I want to want to talk to us this morning on this thought: a second chance God in a in a one chance world. A second chance God. In a one chance world, I feel Jesus in this house. I believe it'd be appropriate this morning for you to set your Bible down and lift up your hands and your voice and ask God, God, would you have your way in the remainder? Holy Ghost, have your way in this building. God, we thank you for what we're feeling. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your goodness. God, you are amazing in so many ways. I pray, Lord, let these altars be filled at the conclusion of this service. God, I'm asking you, would you feel someone with your precious spirit? Would you refill somebody? Would you let hope come again to some heart? We love you. We thank you. We praise you. Send that anointing that destroys the yoke in Jesus' name. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise. Amen, amen, amen. You may be seated this morning. The story is told of a young girl by the name of Maria, her daughter, Christina. They lived on the outskirts of the metropolis known as Rio de Janeiro. Maria's husband had died when Christina was just an infant, and as a young mother, she stubbornly refused opportunities to remarry and instead got a job and set about the task of raising her young daughter. Now, 15 years later, the worst years seemingly behind the two of them. Maria's salary as a maid afforded very few luxuries, but it was reliable and it provided food clothing and shelter. Now Christina was arriving at the age that she was old enough to get a job and to help out. Some said that Christina got her independence from her mother. She recoiled at the traditional idea of marrying young and raising a family. Not that she couldn't have had her pick of any man that she desired. Her olive skin and her brown eyes kept a steady stream of, of, of prospects at her door. 
She had a very infectious way of throwing her head back and filling the room with laughter. She also had that rare magic that some women seem to have. And that was the magic of making any man in the room feel as if he was king just by being near unto her. It was her spirited curiosity that kept her or kept her from wanting to uh, uh, be close. And so she kept these men and these suitors at a arm's length. Maria knew exactly what Christina would end up doing. Often she spoke of the city. She spoke of going to Rio. She dreamed of trading the dusty neighborhood that she grew up in for the exciting avenues and some city life. Just the thought of her leaving horrified her mother. Maria was quick to remind Christina. She said, baby, let me tell you something. People don't know you there. Jobs are scarce in the city. And life can be cruel. And besides all of that, if you went there, what would you do for a living? But mama knew what the living was going to be. It would, it was, it was, it was with great, great heartache that her heart broke when she awoke and noticed that her daughter had an empty bed. Maria knew immediately what she needed to do. And so she quickly threw some things in a bag, gathered up all the money she had, and she ran out the house. On her way to the bus stop, she entered a drugstore, and she needed one more thing. She, she sat down in the photograph booth that was there, and she closed the curtain. And she sat there, and she spent every thing that she had minus her bus fare uh, uh, to, to be able to take pictures. She bought as many pictures, black and white photos as she could before she boarded that bus to Rio. She knew Christina had no way of earning money. And she also knew that her daughter was too stubborn to give up. And when pride meets hunger, a human will do things that they thought previously to be unthinkable. Knowing this, Maria began her search. Every bar, every hotel, every nightclub, any place with a reputation for street walkers or prostitutes. She went to them all. And at each place, she left a picture taped on a bathroom mirror, tacked up to a hotel bulletin board fastened to a corner phone booth and on the back of each picture she wrote this note it wasn't a long note but she wrote it it wasn't too long before both the money and the pictures ran out and Maria had no choice she had to go back home the weary mother wept as the bus began its long journey back to her small village it was a few weeks later that young Christina descended the hotel stairs, her young face tired, her brown eyes no longer danced 
with youth, but they spoke of pain and they spoke of fear. Her laughter was gone. It had been broken. Her dream had become her nightmare. A thousand times over, she had longed to trade those countless beds for the secure pallet in her mother's bedroom. As Christina reached the bottom of the stairs, her eyes noticed a familiar face. She looked again, and there on the lobby mirror, she saw something that she thought she could never see again. She saw a picture of her mother. Her throat tightened. She walked over quickly. She took that picture off of that mirror. And as she took it off, she noticed there was writing on the back. And here's what that little inscription, that invitation said. Whatever you have done, whatever you have become, it doesn't matter. Please come home. Have you ever done anything that you were ashamed of? Have you ever felt that you've disappointed too many people in your life? To the extent that love was no longer an option. To the extent that heaven was now brass. And there was no response to be had for somebody that had messed up so many times. It would be nice if life came with erasers. It would be wonderful if we could just etch a sketch through life. When I was a child, I grew up, uh, I grew up before we had iPads and iPhones. And, and uh, uh, you know, life was actually still interesting before all of that. You know, believe me, I wasn't bored when I was a kid. <laughs> We had some stuff to do. And uh, there was this cool thing. I think it's where Steve Jobs got the idea of the iPad. It was red. And it had two little white knobs on it. And it had this screen on it. And you could draw. And it was, you, 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 if you were good, you could actually, uh, actually kind of... Uh, you could do all kind of things, you know, with that. Uh, I won't tell you all the pictures that I drew, some appropriate, some inappropriate. But, but, but you got to do something when your daddy's going to preach an hour and a half, you know what I mean? So I'm, I'm underneath the pew, and I'm thinking, good God Almighty, I got to do something. And so Mama would hand me, uh, I was too old for a pacifier, but, but Etch-A-Sketch was about, it was, it was a pacifier for grown-up kids. And so uh, uh, it answered all things, and, and I, would, I would pick that up, and, and uh, you know, you had, these, these, uh, you had this sand that was in it, and uh, 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 as, you would, as you would begin to draw, there were, there were times that, that you would mess up, you would make mistakes, and so it was one of the reasons why I loved an Etch-A-Sketch was you could take it. And when you, when you, when you, when you found yourself in, in, in trouble, you could just give it a little shake 
and uh, uh, depending, you, you could turn it around the other way if it was a particularly stubborn boo-boo and you could shake it the other way and it would, it would, it would give you a, a clean slate. It would give you an opportunity uh, uh, to start over again. We are, we are, we are in, uh, we are in the, the season of time in which, uh, in which attention is drawn specifically to the price that was paid for our salvation. I want to remind you again this morning that, that God is interested in the long-term success uh, that we have spiritually. He is not in it just to bless you right now, but he is interested in you living a blessed life from right now until the day that you cross the Jordan River. Hallelujah. God is interested in you and I making it to that city. The race is not, it was so beautifully spoken this morning, but it's not given to the swift nor to the strong, but to he that endureth unto the end. It requires a big picture when you begin to think about living for God. It's not about a sprint. It's not about just trying to get through the moment. But it's about understanding that built in to the process of salvation was this great thing called grace. By grace are you saved through faith hallelujah it is the gift of god it is god's gift to you his mercies are new every morning amen if you're not going to get excited about anything else this morning you ought to be excited about the fact that when you woke up you woke up to a clean etch a sketch this morning there's opportunity to put yesterday behind you and tomorrow back in front and living this life and your present amen as if it was your last day God is interested in you making it to heaven hallelujah maybe seated the process of starting over is complicated in one sense the process of starting over is is hard in the sense that our minds don't quite forget as easy as what we wish we could go back to with that etch-a-sketch there is only one way to start all over. You got to realize the quality of God's mercy and his grace. It is without, it goes without saying that God has been good to this boy right here. I grew up in a pastor's home my father is is uh in my humble opinion one of the greatest 
preachers that has ever laced up shoes and walked to a pulpit. He been preaching this gospel for many years. My grandfather uh, started many churches, nine of which are still in existence today. He was a church planter, a pioneer. He uh, he uh, 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 passed down to my father a deep, deep love for this apostolic truth, and I'm grateful for that today. I grew up. Oh, hallelujah! It's all right to thank God for what we have. I could be anywhere, but I thank God I'm where I'm at today. And my, my father, he, uh, he did the same for us. He has been integral in starting, I believe, it's six or seven different churches, some in Mexico, some in Los Angeles. He currently... Uh, currently has several daughter works, I believe three that are still under his, uh, under his uh, stewardship. And uh, he, is, he is over 19 different works in the Philippines. And uh, it's something that was just put, it's just in, in our blood uh, to, to want to see the kingdom go forward. And uh, I grew up having that kind of a legacy. I grew up thinking I could never match up. It's going to be real this morning. I don't know if you're ready, but you better get ready. You'll need your seatbelt before this is over. But I, I hesitate to share my testimony, but I don't in the sense that we overcome two ways. The blood and the word of our testimony. So if you'll let me today, I'm going to reach for some souls in this house that have convinced themselves that God's mercy maybe is not as, as, uh, uh, as attainable or reachable as you think it is or think it may not be. I, I, uh, I grew up as a young man in Los Angeles. My mother and father are true Christians. They didn't put pressure on me to be a preacher. They didn't put pressure on me to do anything other than just they wanted me to live for God. And I, I thank God for that. But there is, there is a, through the course of life, I was nine years old, nine years old. You know, the devil, the devil knows what he's doing. The devil is forever trying. This is why. Mamas and daddies, you better be careful with your babies because the devil's trying to mess up. The, he's trying to mess up the future of the church and the future of your family. But where sin doth abound, grace does much, doth much more abound. I, nine years old, went down to a corner store and the man there walked me back into a room and he led me back there and shut the door, locked it, pulled the curtains tight. He had the intention of molesting me as a nine-year-old boy. Thank God I was able to 
once he left, I was able to break out of one of the side doors. I found it. There was curtains on all the walls. To this day, I don't like to go in small spaces at all because it brings back too many memories etched into my mind. That's one etch a sketch I can't get out of my mind. Sister St. Clair, I can't figure out how to, I can't figure out how to get rid of that memory. But, but nonetheless, I uh, found a way out. I hopped the wall and ran, ran up the hillside there and came around the backside home. And I spent several weeks, about two weeks, just, just wrestling, wrestling in my mind until finally I, 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 I formed some questions to my father asking him i i felt guilty the devil loves to put guilt on you and uh i asked my dad what do you do and anyways i tried to speak a parable to him and he would have none of it and he said you better tell me what's going on right now long story short uh that incident led to a a terrible thing in my life and I lived for many, many years, through my teenage years, I lived bound by pornography. I was exposed at nine years old to something. The devil planted a seed. And he was determined that he was going to get me. He didn't like what he was seeing of one generation after the next. Finding their way. And lifting up this glorious truth. And his desire was and still is to destroy. Amen. The thief cometh but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. It is his mission. It is his modus operandi. He wants to destroy. And I lived for many, many, many years with that. I know what it's like. As a young man, to come up to the church, in the, it'd be about 1, 1.30 in the morning, having been out at clubs, I had no business being there. I didn't have a reason. I, I, I can't say that my home life was messed up. I can't say that my daddy was beating my mom. I can't say that, that I, I, was, I, I grew up in a drug-infested home or, or alcohol was a problem around my house. I can't, I can't say any of that. I grew up in a godly home, and, and yet I still found myself living beneath my privilege. And I found myself in a, in a, in a dark place twice in my life. I had a gun barrel in my mouth ready to pull the trigger. With one thing in mind, with one, one, one thing I was running from, I felt as if God could not even reach me. The hopelessness that was setting in, I remember having a key to the church. And I'll just say this and keep moving. But even if you're not where you need to be this morning, don't ever stop coming to church. Whatever you do, don't you stop showing up to the house of God. Let me tell you, this is the lifeline that you got to keep open. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Somebody ought to thank God for the house of the Lord. I said somebody ought to thank him for his house this morning. 
Where would you be if you didn't have this house to come to? Lift up your hands and get a little reprieve from the storm. Ooh, hallelujah. You may be seated. You may be seated. I remember 1.32 in the morning coming in and I couldn't even hardly see the key, Bishop, to get into the church. I was homeless and living in my car. Miserable, miserable existence. Not because I didn't have a warm bed at home, but I was too proud to tell my parents that the vices that the devil had me and I couldn't even, I couldn't even keep up on my rent. Uh, and I couldn't see hardly to get the key in the door of the church. Tears streaming down my cheeks. Finally got it in there and I'll never forget, I'll never forget it. I didn't have any words to say. Pastor, I ran out of words. You think it's impossible a preacher never runs out of words. Well, let me tell you, I ran out of words. And that was before God. Well, I was already called. Ironically, I was nine years old when God called me. And I was nine years old when the devil laid a trap for me. I want you to hear me this morning as I try to preach to you and tell you that the quality of God's mercy is greater than what you think it is. His strength is perfect. His grace is perfect. His love is matchless. His reach is, you, you can't exhaust the reach of Almighty God. I don't care where you're at. I don't care how far you've gone. I don't care what you've done. I'm telling you, God is in this house to reach you this morning. You may have failed last night, but his mercies are new this morning. You may have cussed your way all the way to church, but God's ready to wash your mouth and cleanse your heart and set you on the straight path again. They be seated. Stories told of Mayor LaGuardia New York the year was 1935 he showed up at night court in one of the poorest wards of New York City and the judge of that district had a reputation for being jaded and really harsh on his sentences and if you went before him you could just guarantee that you were going to get the maximum sentence that the law allowed on this particular occasion Guardia dismissed the judge for the evening and he took over the bench himself and one particular case involved an elderly woman who was caught stealing bread to feed her grandchildren LaGuardia said after she pleaded guilty to the crime he said I have to punish you $10 or 10 days in jail. And it was obvious that she couldn't pay. And so the judge out of his own pocket paid the fine for her. 
He then fined everybody in the courtroom 50 cents for living in a city where a person had to steal bread so, so that her grandchildren can eat. The hat was passed around and the woman left the courtroom with her fine paid an additional $47.50 in her purse. Solely out of the goodness of the heart of Mayor LaGuardia. I think about the debts that I owed that I could not pay. I think about the mercies that were, you know, some of the best whoopings I ever got came by way of mercy. There's one way to discipline somebody with half a conscience. And that show them some mercy. There's not a day that I live that I don't wake up and know I don't deserve nothing that I got. I want to preach to you this morning about a second chance God. In a one chance world. It is... Ironic to me, the way society has turned and now anybody that takes or makes a mistake, we, 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 we live in a cancel culture world today. And before we get self-righteous and sanctimonious and act as if that is out in the world and this is the church, let me tell you, woke culture is very much... Uh, 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 unfortunately made its way into I believe every church to some degree or at least is trying to Yeah, and cancel culture is happening within the church just as much as it's happening within the world uh-huh. yeah I'm not talking about the greater church at large I'm talking about right here FPC Anderson is what I'm talking about today amen it's easy for us to, uh, and you say, man, you hadn't known us long enough. No, but I pastor and I know how this works. Every church is just about the same. Some of you, I've already put names on you because you, you remind me already. And just watching you worship, I was like, yep, yep. That's Brother Stinson right there. That's Brother Stinson. We, we're all the same. Every one of us is the same. We're just people. We're just people. And uh, it, it, it amazes me that, 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 that we are so quick to cancel one another. And we are so quick to even cancel ourselves. You say that's impossible. No, that's why folks will stop coming to church. That's why we'll stop reading our Bible. Not because we we don't we don't we don't we don't want God. It's because the devil has sold us a lie that God doesn't want us. We've made too many mistakes. We've done too many things. And uh, uh, it is in, it is in uh, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4 that we, we are reminded that God is rich in mercy. It is 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 that tells us that God has great mercy toward us. When we, when we look at the goodness of the Lord, we understand that God is a merciful God. He is a good God. His kindness and his mercies 
are strong. They are ever present. Amen. He is my ever present help in time of trouble. He's not just the God when I'm on top of the mountain, but he is the God of my valleys. He is the God of my low points. He is the God. He is the God that is there when spirits of depression creep into my car and creep into my house. He is the God that is there when anxiety begins to overwhelm me and spirits from hell begin to plague my mind. It is then that I know him to be my ever-present help in time of trouble. Anybody can dance on a Sunday night, but it takes somebody that knows him to be that ever-present help that can shout on a midweek when it's just a Bible study lesson and you hear like we heard this morning about Peter and his ability to make messes and yet God's ability to make something out of those messes continues to amaze me can I preach to you this morning and tell you that God is not through with who you think he is through with God is just getting started on every one of us I have not preached my best message yet I have not taught my best Bible study yet I have not walked my best walk yet I have not prayed my best prayer yet I have not had my most prolific moment in God yet because God is still working on me he's still making me what I ought to be it may have took him just a week to make that moon and them stars, the sun, the earth, Jupiter, and Mars. But oh, how loving and patient he must be because he is still working. He is still working. He is still working. He is still working. You gave up on you, but God did not give up on you. You thought you could not, but God sent a preacher by from Los Angeles to tell you that you can because he can. Oh, I feel Jesus right now. Amen. I'm reaching and I'm preaching. Amen. But as soon as you feel it, you better run to this altar because it is time. It is time for somebody. Amen. Let me tell you, welcome home. God has been waiting on this moment. God has been ready. God is still a God of mercy. And he is a God of the second chance. Come on, musicians, come quickly. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel the Lord moving in this house. All across this building, there are folks making their way back to God. There are folks that are going to walk out of here with victory tonight, today, because of a second chance, God. Woo! 
Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, I need some folks. Find somebody to pray with. Would you do it? Would you find somebody this morning? Hallelujah. Come on, I need some folks that have spent some time praying about this service to find you somebody. It's time. It's time. It's time. Come on, wayward prodigal. Come back home. God has been waiting on you. The Father has been waiting on the steps of the front porch, waiting for you to come back. Hear me. Hear me, child of God that was raised in church. Let me tell you, God's not through with you. You have not exhausted your opportunities yet. God is reaching for you. He loves you. I rebuke every devil in hell that would tell you that God does not love you. He does love you. He is reaching for you. Somebody respond to them outstretched arms of a mighty God today. Come on, somebody, get up. Come on, it's time to get up. It's time to get up off the carpet. It's time. Come on, that's it. Make your way back home. Make your way back to the loving arms of Almighty God. Woo! Hallelujah. 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 Come on, FPC. This is the moment we've been waiting for. We've been waiting on God. And God's been waiting on this right here. on the blood's working the blood is working the blood is working <laughs> come on make up in your mind I'm not getting up I'm not leaving this altar I'm not leaving this altar until I take a look at this picture and I read what daddy wrote me today wherever you've been whatever you think you become it doesn't matter just come back home come on you know you've been missing home there ain't nothing like home there ain't nothing like the presence of God let that sweet mercy wash over you again